the questionnaire is really designed to get to know them on a much deeper level than just what are your kids' names and what do they like to do? Um, Mm -hmm. Like one of my questions is, have there been any difficult times that have brought you to where you are at now? Like, have you been through anything that's hard? Have you been, um, like what's led you to this stage in your life, meeting your partner, things like that. Just digging in a little bit deeper, not that those things are going to, um, play front and center in the film or anything, but just Mm -hmm. for me to kind of get to know them through their answers, I start to gauge what's really important to them. And that then becomes, the lens by which I film and photograph their life. So just by really getting to know them on a deeper level than just surface level um, helps me create more meaningful images for them. You're listening to Floy Insider, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who want a fresh perspective on business, communication, and art. Hi, Courtney. Good morning. Good evening. Sorry, I did it again. <laughs> Good morning to you. How are you? I am awake. <laughs> Good. I'm awake and ex- really excited to talk to you. How are you? How's been your day? Um, my day has been really good. Um, it's been pretty relaxing. It's public holiday here and my kids have um, had the day off and we had lunch with their grandma and yeah, it's been a really relaxed day today, actually, for once. Oh, <laughs> lovely. How many children do you have? I have two. Yeah, I have two. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. That's, I, I don't want to say like, that's not too crazy. I can't <laughs> comment on that. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, and it depends like all child, all children's personalities are really different too. So like you could have craziness out of two kids. You could have craziness out of one kid. You could have mellow you know a mellow household with four kids although I'm not really sure that's possible but uh you could I don't know <laughs> everybody's different right. yeah who knows yeah yep. I'll, I'll trust your judgment on that one <laughs> <laughs> my kids are pretty good thankfully wonderful um Courtney I had a look at your work in preparation for this which is stunning it's oh, so thank so you. so beautiful honestly um from the heart like it's just so touching so moving um visually so gorgeous yeah it's like proper like cinematography I absolutely oh, love it thank you absolutely love it and um for people who are listening and don't know who you are and what you do can you give us a little introduction where mm-hmm. you live what have you done before you did yeah. photos and, and films and how did you come to do what you do now? Oh, well, um, I live in Sydney, Australia. I live in sort of like the outer bits of that, about an hour and a bit more from the city. Um, and I make films and photos for families. That's the crux of my business. Um, and I've been doing that for about 10 years now. The video part of it um, really started a couple of years in. I started doing photos first and then I just started experimenting with video and then it it just sort of evolved into what it is now. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I shoot all over Sydney, um, but then also around Australia, and I've done some families in the U.S. as well. I'm actually originally from the U.S. You probably can hear that in the way that I talk. Um, right. But I grew up in um, South Georgia, in South Georgia, and then moved to Tennessee when I was 15. And then I met my husband working at a summer camp in Maine. And he was Australian and we fell in love. And then I moved here not that long after. So I was 21. We got married Mm -hmm. um, within a year of meeting and I came out here to live with him. And I've been here. We just celebrated our 15-year wedding anniversary um, a couple of days ago. So that's been kind of the, I don't know, I guess the way that I got here. And so I go back to the U.S. to visit my family and um, I've done a creative live course as well in the U.S. And each time I go over there, I usually do a few sessions for families there too. It's probably going to be a while before I get to go back over there now with COVID being what it is. Um, But yeah, and so in terms of background, um, I've done a lot of different things. I've always had a really musical background. I studied... Um, I had a music performance scholarship. I studied music performance um, at uni and then and I also studied theater at uni and have just always been really a performer and music has always played a huge, huge part of my life. I'm a singer and I play the flute and I play a little bit of piano. And so um, that's an important part of my background that I think impacts a lot of what I do because music and my films is such a big, big part. And, um, that for me was just like these two worlds kind of coming together, the photography, the imagery, and then the music and just how that all makes you feel combined together that it just, yeah, that's kind of when everything really just came together for me. And, um, so I think that music background really, really helps me do what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and Yeah, I guess that's about it, I think. (laughs) Um, I did a little bit, like when I first moved here, I was a a nanny for a little while. And then I worked in business administration for a while, worked in corporate world for a little while. And it was when I had my kids, my first child, that I really started picking up the camera. It's such a typical story, Mm -hmm. but like, that's what happened to me. And um, just becoming obsessed with capturing everything about them. Then that grew to working with other families. And then when I first made my first video of my daughter, I had her in the kitchen sink and she was um, having a bath in the kitchen sink. And I put that to music and I was just like sobbing because I knew in that moment that that's what I was called to do. Like that's what I felt just this really strong calling deep in my bones that I had to I had to do this for other families like other families had to experience this same thing um and so that's kind of then grown from there beautiful thank you for sharing mm-hmm. and how come you focused on on that niche specifically just families and capturing them in their home obviously because that's how your love for photography started as well because of your children your family Have you ever dabbled into other kinds of photography? (laughs) Have you tried other things? Yes, um, definitely. Well, when I first started, I was doing uh, newborns and like the posed newborns. Like I had the beanbag and I had all the things. And gosh, I hated every minute of it. (laughs) I'm 
just, I, I was really trying hard to make it work and I knew that wasn't for me. Um, I was really drawn to families because I had young kids. And so in terms of like lifestyle and schedule wise, that made the most sense because the sessions are, are shorter. And um, so it meant I didn't have to be away from my kids for long. Um, I knew with weddings, it was something I was interested in doing eventually and I have done them. Um, but it's such long days. And I knew that that's not what I wanted for long term to be away on every Saturday when my kids were at school. I didn't want that. And um, I didn't want to be away from them for really long periods of time. And so I really stuck with families and for just like the convenience factor to begin with. But then it was, um, I'm just in love with it. Like, and my, I, my style sort of evolved from being a little bit more opposed because I just thought that's what you had to do to being more documentary because I felt a really strong calling to create imagery that was real and that really represented what family life was like. Um, I had a really difficult pregnancy and I had a I had severe postnatal depression after my daughter was born. And I personally felt like having images of them um, and happy times and like being able to find good stuff out of what felt like just really dark, heavy days for me was what pulled me through that. And I wanted to do that for other people. And so I wanted people to see that like real life, there's just so much good in it, even if it feels really hard. There's so much mm -hmm. love in it and there's so much beauty in it. And there's, it's just worth capturing. And, and I think then when people see that afterwards, um, they're sort of blown away by how much I do see of that good and, and beauty out of what seems just mundane and hard and normal, you know? 100% agree. I mean, I am blown away by it. And those are not even my photos. That's that those are not my kids. When I look at your photos and your videos, like it guys, honestly, if you are listening to this, go look at Courtney's way. It will make you want to have children <laughs> just <laughs> Just to have a session like that and to have memories like that, you make it look so everything you just said. Yes, mm. it's, it's so much beauty in the mundane and in the everyday mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. versus thinking, oh, we have to smile and look into the camera for like a good yeah. family photo. It's yeah. just absolutely stunning. And you just said that um, those sessions are obviously shorter than like, for example, a wedding day and stuff. Yeah. Um, which uh, is is surprising, not not surprising to me. Of course, you wouldn't be at a family shoot for like twelve hours. But looking at some of the stories, it looks like you're with them for like a whole day. Like <laughs> you know, you're there for dinner and like and, yeah. and for play. And that is that is that deceiving? Is that just a couple of hours? Oh, it depends. It depends on which one you're looking at because there are a couple of sessions that I've done that are on my website, which were actual full days where I was with them for the full day. Um, and But yes, it still can look that way even if I'm only with them for three hours because yeah. there's just so much that happens within the, the three hours, especially just with how comfortable people are generally during their session with me. Um, 
And a lot of work, a lot of prep work goes into that just to build that sort of comfort level and willingness to be vulnerable and all of that. That just kind of allows them to not sort of sit there and be like, okay, what do we do now? Okay, what do we do now? So, you know, they really do. Um, after about 10, 15 minutes of me being there, they start to just get really comfortable and they just, there's so much that happens within a three hour <laughs> time span, yeah. even two hours yeah. sometimes. Um, you'd be surprised how much you really do capture mm-hmm. in that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah, you can tell from the images and how do you prepare your clients for a shoot like that? Do you meet them before? Do you meet the children before? Um, or like, how does that work? Yeah, not usually. Um, the children, definitely the parent. And these days what I'm doing is getting on a Zoom call with new clients and because I just really want to see their face and talk to them. And, you know, people are so used to Zoom now that that's a you know huge benefit. Before COVID happened um, and it wasn't as common to just be on a video chat with people, um, it was always phone calls and that worked just as well. But yeah. I spend quite a bit of time probably in the month leading up to their session doing at least one Zoom call with them, like one video call. And then um, there's a questionnaire that I send out. Usually the questionnaire comes out first. They'll send me back the answers and then we'll have a conversation. And the questionnaire is really designed to get to know them on a much deeper level than just what are your kids' names and what do they like to do? Um, Like one of my questions is um, what's – have there been any difficult times that have brought you to where you are at now? Like have you been through anything that's hard? Have you been – like what's led you to this stage in your life, meeting your partner, things like that, just digging in a little bit deeper. Not that those things are going to play front and center in the film or anything, but just for me to kind of get to know them through their answers, I start to gauge what's really important to them. And that then becomes the lens by which I film and photograph their life. So just by really getting to know them on a deeper level than just surface level um, helps me create more meaningful images for them, if that makes sense. Um, So it's, and all it really takes is a questionnaire and at least one phone call, maybe a couple. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we usually are going back and forth about like clothing stuff as well between them and the the session. Um, Mm -hmm. And also I'm lucky so many of my clients are return clients. So I'd say at least 50% of my work is people who come back to me year after year. So um, I already know them very well. <laughs> yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and that, they, that they put also so much value on those memories um, mm-hmm. to have them. That's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for People listening who want to do what you do, <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously not like exactly what you do, but like want to add films yeah. and videography to their existing photography business. Yeah. Um, what would you tell them to like things to keep in mind, things that are important, like how is mm. how is doing a, a film shoot different than doing a photo shoot, um, mm-hmm. and how to like slowly or maybe quickly, I don't know, get into that uh, and and offering that. 
So uh, good. That's a really good question. They can, you can kind of either, lots of people just jump in um, and that's totally fine to do. I would say that if you're wanting to do it, there's heaps of information out there that's free. Like there's so much YouTube content that you can search up um, that gives you information on how to um, switch over your camera. One thing that I think people forget that they have access to is their camera manual and their camera manual actually tells them (laughs) how to switch over to video how to record in different frame rates and things like that. So that's mm-hmm. worthwhile um, just checking out because your camera really has like it built, it's got a manual you can use. And if you've lost it, you can search it and it's going to be online and you'll be able to find a PDF. Okay. So there's that. Um, as far as the technical side of things, there's, you can get so wrapped up in the technicalities of you know, what frame rate you should be shooting in and what your shutter sh- shutter speed should be and um, all the different camera settings. Um, and that can be confusing. It can be overwhelming. And that's where, you know, going to like some dedicated learning platform can be really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I've got the Filming Life Academy, which I teach um, photographers how to shoot video. And so in there, we give like a full rundown of everything that you need to know. Um But even if all you need to, all you figure out is what frame rate you should be shooting at and how to get slow motion, if slow motion is something that you want to do, these are things that you can Google and you can just find out and then go into your session. And if you are wanting to just play around with the idea, first do a Google, figure out what frame rate you want to be shooting at. Um, based on your location. So if you're in America, then you probably, if you want slow motion, for example, you might shoot at 60 frames per second, 1080p, and then just go into your session and give yourself a little bit of time after. That's what I always say. If you're doing a photography session and you want to start experimenting with video, say to your clients, just be like, hey, I'm trying out this new thing. I'm really interested in doing it. It would add a little bit of time to your session. Would that be okay with you? I can't, I can't promise you anything from it, but it'd be really, it's something I've been wanting to try for a little while. Um, would you be up for that? And so then of course, they're probably going to say yes. So then add on like half an hour to the session time and get all the photos that you need to start with. And then that last half hour of your shoot, just shoot video and play around with that and shoot video the way that you would photos to start with anyway. Um, It's Mm -hmm. not hugely different. Composition, still very same, very, very same. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes movements, my biggest tip for that, there's a lot of ways that you can approach movement, camera movement. I would just stick with plant your feet, like spread your feet hip width apart, shift your weight from one side to the other. And that's as much movement as you need to begin with. That's all you need Mm -hmm. starting out. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there, you know, really just sort of experiment, see what you like, um, bring it into whatever kind of video editor you have access to. Like most people would have access to iMovie probably, um, mm-hmm. Shotcut is another one that if you're a PC user, you could get access to pretty cheaply and then, um, bring in some music from somewhere like you could look at Soundstripe. Soundstripe has a lots of really good inexpensive music options. Um, mm-hmm. and then just have a play like ha- even if 
as long as you're not putting the uh, video anywhere online, it's okay to play with music that you already have. Just don't ever share that online because that's all kinds of legal problems right there. Um, Don't think just because it's in your iTunes folder that you can use that because you can't. Um, but, but it's, you can play around with it. You can, you know, see if video is something that you like and you may find, wow, I love this. And I could see how this could be something so much more. Um, and then from there you might decide you want to seek out some, some more education on it. So does that answer that? I hope so. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. Um, it is, Obviously, yeah, as you said, the tech there's the technical part, but yeah. then there's also um, like the very practical when you're actually there. Like, what yeah. do you do about light? Um, how mm-hmm. do you frame the shots? Is it like photography, as you said, or not? Like yeah. that kind of stuff. And what I find always, um, I tried it a little bit when I did wedding photography, but I was like, this is not for me. I'm I, I'm not doing films, especially not during a wedding. It's too much. Like it's just too yeah. cool. Um, but uh, I I found that in looking at other videographers' work and yours as well, I find that you need so much more material for a film, right? Mm. Like you you just need so much more. Do you find yourself um, doing well? Not a scene, I guess, because they are quite spontaneous. But like things from different angles and doing it again, or like because you you know you just need more to create a film then you would need photos. It is very much. And I do, I, I, I do see them as scenes. So like mm. if I walk into a family session and we start out inside the house and we're in one room, say for example, we start out and we're in the kitchen. I consider that one scene. That's the first scene of the session. And then if we move outside, that's a different scene. So not only do I need to get shots that are going to help me encapsulate that first scene but I also need shots that are going to help me get from that scene to the next scene as well and so that's kind of where you have b-roll that comes in and um that's just your supplemental footage that you might capture you know usually it's when I feel like I've gotten enough uh clips of the scene that's happening then I might go and shoot b-roll of something outside it might be light coming in through the window or it might be um Mm. something outside if the next scene is outside then I'm going to get some b-roll of outside to help me introduce that next outdoor scene things Mm. that'll help me sort of introduce you really do have to think about characters and um, storyline it's very much a storytelling tool um, so you do have to kind of think about all these things. And if I've tr- when you kind of think about like how to sort of simplify this for people when they're first starting, it's just mm-hmm. making sure that you get, um, you know, a wide shot of the scene, like what's happening in the scene, the where, like where are we? And then who are we with, right? So like the people that are in it, so the, the subjects, who is the the main focus of this scene and what are they doing? So those you get in your wide, your where, and then your mid, which is your mid shot, which is your who, and then your close-ups, which is your what. So what is it that they're doing? Um, if you get those three things, that's enough. That's enough to create a sequence of clips that'll sort of encapsulate that scene. And then you would have 
footage, your B-roll, that would kind of help you move to the next scene. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a simplistic way of looking at it, a very technical sort of way. And then sort of beyond that, for more advanced work, then you're kind of really looking at it sometimes more from a moment, like a moments-driven perspective. So what is it? It's more than just what they're doing while they're there, but how are they feeling while they're there? What are they experiencing? What are the emotions? What are um, what are those things? And it's that's kind of like the next level of cinematography when you kind of get beyond just the the basics of okay, here's what they're doing and how they got there and how they got from A to B. A lot of my work is is more focused on that emotional like how do they feel when they're in this moment and sometimes it's really non-literal it's a little bit more abstract a little bit less of that but you still have that foundation of Mm -hmm. we're in this space and this is where we are so you kind of know that but you're feeling more what they're feeling in the moment and how they're experiencing Mm -hmm. that so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's different levels. Yeah, it kind of it's yeah. one of those things that evolves and grows as you grow as a filmmaker when you start. Yeah, I bet. And mm. that brings up the question for me. Do you have like um is it called storyboard? I don't know if that's the word. Uh-huh. But like before before you start, do you actually like write down or sketch down like a mm. story or obviously yes, you talk to the parents before, but do you do you decide beforehand? what you're going to do, what, what they're going to do and therefore what you're going to film. And you mm-hmm. have like uh, scenes in your head or do you arrive at location and it's just spontaneous. Let's see what, what happens. So it's a really interesting question. Um, I don't have a storyboard, but I kind of have a loose vision in my head of what that session is going to be like based on their questionnaire and all of that. But in terms of spontaneous, 100%, like it's like you're going there and unless you've been to that house before, you don't know where they're going to hang out in the house or what they're going to do. And like the parent might say, oh, my children love doing this so much and they may never do that during the session. So they might, you know, do something entirely different. Um, And there have been times where I've been in a session and it sort of started to feel a little bit like um, sometimes with younger kids. There was an example recently of a session where there were twin two-year-olds and a four-year-old. And I had noticed throughout the session, this is not something that I had planned at all before, but I'd noticed throughout the session that the four-year-old had kind of um, like the twins just, I think they just take the the limelight a lot of the time. And I had noticed there hadn't been a lot of direct connection between her and mom, whereas mm-hmm. the twins, because, you know, there's just so much that you got to help with two-year-olds. And mm-hmm. so I decided that I would take that opportunity to just make sure that something happened. And so I got mom and the four-year-old to sit down on the couch together. And I had mom tell the four-year-old the story of when she was born. And then I had her tell her. Um, so she went through all of that. And that was really gorgeous. And the reactions from the four-year-old were just precious. Mm-hmm. And then I had her tell her, you know, reasons why she loved her, reasons why she was proud of her and things like mm-hmm. that. So these are things that I'll do to kind of pull out moments when they're not necessarily happening organically, 
but they're not always something that I plan on going into it. Um, but I do have like a sort of a, a storyboard or a vision in my head of what I want my sessions to look like overall. And I just make sure that that happens. And for me, that's always connection. That's always, you know, this like sort of nostalgia feeling. Um, and so I want to always make sure that there's opportunities for those kinds of things to take place. And if they're not happening, then I'm going to try and make them happen. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's it makes- hard. It's hard to storyboard with kids because they're very unpredictable. So. <laughs> So you kind of have to adapt, I guess, and, and be flexible and, and yes. be quick on your feet and be like, can I create an opportunity if there isn't one and mm-hmm. how can I do this? Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I, I'll like, I'll ask in my questionnaire, is there anything that your child says or does that you just love and that you'll miss like the, in this stage of their life that they're doing that you just love and you're going to miss later on, you know, you're going to miss And I say, like, I can't guarantee I'm going to catch it. But if I know that that's something you love, then I'll do my best to get it. Um, Because I just want people to know, like, I I, I really can't guarantee anything at all. But as long as I know that that's something that you love. And if I'm in the moment even, let's say I do catch it and I'm editing, I know that it's important to her or him, whichever parent and I'll make sure that I include that in the edit. And so, you know, that's just another example of how that questionnaire really does sort of help form the the basis of a lot of decisions that I make. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Because then mm-hmm. you, if you know something, you look out for it, like mm-hmm. you're searching. For right. Happens. So that makes total sense to be um, yeah. prepared like that. Yeah. And in terms of gear, I'm curious, how do you rock up at a family shoot? Like, are you... Do you are you minimal? Do you have one camera, one lens, two lenses? Do you wear like one of those stability? I don't know what they're called. <laughs> not not a videographer. You know what I mean. You know, like yes. those oh, I know. thingies. Some videographers use them. Uh, how what what does it look like in terms of gear? What do you bring? Very minimal. I only stabilize using my camera strap, and mm. um. I do a lot of like core strength and, you know, a lot of it is about body, like how, how I move my body in terms of stabilization. Um, and so just, and keeping also tension in the neck strap with my camera strap, I bring, uh, I used to shoot on a Canon Mark four. Now I shoot on a Canon EOS R and I love it. Um, and I tend to use, two lenses. I used to only ever use one. I used to only ever use a 35 and that was it. Um, these days I really love getting in closer and I find that the longer my focal length, the more I can get in closer without people being like, well, why are you in my face? (laughs) So, um, I'm, I generally am switching between a 50 millimeter 1.2 L lens when particularly if I'm freelancing, um, which I do when I shoot photos and video and then, but it's really slow for photos. It's like a really slow lens for photos. So I like it for manually focusing video. 
not as much for, you know, fast movement. And for that, then I'll use, I have a 28 to 70 F2 lens, which I absolutely love for everything. It's a gorgeous lens um, and it does the job. I could probably shoot, I know I could shoot an entire session on that and be very happy. So, um, but I keep it very, very minimal because if I rocked up with like a cage around me or a cage even around my camera, those kids would be like obsessed with my camera the whole time. It's hard enough with my microphone because it's this big fluffy ball that sits on top of my camera and they always want to touch it. (laughs) And they're like, what is that? (laughs) I'm like, that's the microphone to pick up your voices. (laughs) And then they get over it. Voices, you do add voices as well. So you record not just music on the video. Yeah, yeah. Always uh, ambient audio is so important. It's like crucial to the story as well. Without that, it's good with music and, you know, it's easy. It's a lot easier. It's much harder using ambient audio. But how if you kids' voices, they change. Like you have to capture them. So that's super important. I remember like I had, and a lot of that comes too from I, um, a few years back, my grandfather passed away and I was watching old videos of him and it was from 20 years ago and he was stood up and he spoke and he just commanded the room. And I just remember hearing how hearing his voice made me feel in that moment when you don't have that anymore. And even like when he was sick and everything like just hearing that that voice it makes such a huge difference and so yeah i always try and include some some ambient audio throughout the session beautiful yeah i didn't think of that that voices change as well that is such yeah. a good point yeah um, and the things they say a, yeah such a great thing to remember as, as well the voice um, mm. beautiful oh i <laughs> want you to film my do you do um Sessions with cats as well. <laughs> <laughs> with my family. <laughs> we can do a cat session. We'll do it. <laughs> you know, we could make that work. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Get the meow. Meow. You know, it could be like a new avenue for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It would catch on for sure. I volunteer. Oh, I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm sure there's enough people with cats um, at home. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on from cats. But um, in terms of um, client delivery, when you when you when you're done and you did the the video and you found the licensed music, <laughs> yeah, on, on Soundstripe and and you you finished it, how do you deliver um, a film to your clients? Um, is it the same way you would deliver mm. a photo? online or yeah that's a that's a good question because like I know that a lot of people have different opinions on this and um in the old days like you could the old days god (laughs) um you you know people were always doing like when when people start when people okay so wedding videos were really like the first thing um that became you know was popular and so you would get your wedding video on like a vhs and then it was a dvd um and then it was like a blu-ray dvd but like Mm -hmm. these days i mean my laptop doesn't even have a dvd player in it 
Um, so then the next thing is USBs. And so lots of people I know deliver their client films on USBs. I do not just because I feel like a USB is just as likely to get lost, probably oh. more so than, um, you know, a hard drive or, um, saving it directly to their computer. So what I do is I have a Vimeo pro account and I upload their film to there. I upload two versions. The first is their specific version, which gives them access to a download link so they can download the original file size exactly as it is. And I tell them to make sure they save it in at least three places and, um, you know, three different places, not just like three (laughs) files on the computer. (laughs) Try really spell it out. Um, and then another, the second time that I upload it is the public link. And, um, so that's not able to be downloaded generally. Mm -hmm. Um, but so that's how I deliver it just because I feel like technology is always changing. And so whatever it is that I do right now in 10 or 15 years from now, it's going to be different. Anything physical that I do, I feel like digital is going to be the most, um, future proof if there even is such a thing, which I don't think there is. So, um, and unfortunately, you know, video is very different from photos. Like we can't print videos. So, um, that's what I do. There's a lot of things, um, products out there where I've seen like, um, you can put a video in an album or at the end of an album, or you can, there are products that are like, you know, specific video players. So you could upload the film to that and then give them that as a product. I think it just depends on your business and how much you do of physical products. For me, it's Mm -hmm. mostly digital. So that's what I do. Um, and in terms of licensing, we, we talked about that earlier. Um, Soundstripe is a good place. Musicbed is the place where I tend to get majority of my music. It's got the highest quality, um, Mm -hmm. music tracks, just incredible. It's very, it's, it's on the more expensive side of things Mm -hmm. in terms of music licensing, but it's so worth it. And, um, the music is incredible. So those -hmm. are two really good places to look. Um, Soundstripe is great for when you're first starting out. And what type of license do you have to look out for that you want to use for those? So I always defer to the company because, you know, there's just differences. So it's always best to just go directly to them. And and you would, you would, if you're using it for your business, then you're going to get a business, like a business type of license. So their music bed has like a wedding specific license, which also mm-hmm. generally covers families as I've been told. Um, and so, <laughs> but there's just discrepancies. So it's always really good to go directly to them and just, they all both have really good support. So you can just type a chat in their thing and ask them, tell them what you do and ask them and they'll let you know. Okay, great. And my last question is, um, do you think there's a too long or too short for like a family film what what length do you normally do yours mm. is, there, is there something where you're like oh no that's that's a bit too much or like to keep people's focus and attention very good question that's a really good question because there's kind of two things that we as family filmmakers have to be um mindful of and there's the family that you're making the film for but then there's also the potential client who's watching that family's film. And so 
you have to be careful because a family that you're making the film for, they don't care. The longer, the better for them because that, you know, as <laughs> it's their family, of course, they're going to love anything that's there. It's just not, it, that's not going to matter. But you have to be very, very mindful of the person who's watching that film and and you want to make sure that what you're giving or what you're showing online particularly is visually engaging from the very beginning because these days, like, our attention span is so short. And um, it's one one reason why, like, you won't – when I post a film, I try not to give, like, a really long introduction into it with, you know, lots of B-roll of scenery and things like that because people's attention span is so short. I tend to just go straight in with, um, you know, beautiful imagery of people because people are more engaging generally. Um, And so these are things that you have to kind of consider. And in terms of length, generally people watching it online are only going to last for about a minute and a half. That's sort of a, a, a standard Um, so I will go anywhere between three and five minutes. If your film is really engaging, it can go five minutes and people will stick with it. If it's not, then, you know, it's, but it's the same thing even with three minutes. So the trick is just finding that balance between doing justice to the footage that you have for the family and also making sure that you're not, it's not going on for too long. And also like depending on what you've priced yourself at, making sure that you're not spending. Cause I would, I would say that the difference between an edit of a three minute film versus an edit of a five minute film, depending on the circumstances involved it can take you an extra five, six hours to edit a a five minute film over a three minute film. So you got to kind of ask yourself, is it worth that extra time to put Mm -hmm. into it? And a lot of times too, it comes down to the song. So if I've found a five minute song that I'm like, oh my God, that's the one that is the song for this family. I can't imagine doing it to anything else. Then Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to suck it up and do those extra hours because I know the song is so good and it's going to be worth it, but I will try and find a shorter song if I can, because I know that, you know, money wise, it's more profitable for me if I'm not spending that long on the edit. So, you know, there's a lot of factors involved. Um, and I think starting out for anyone who's new to filmmaking three minutes, definitely. I think Mm -hmm. as you kind of, grow and get more advanced and um, and really know what you're doing, I think five minutes is fine. Um, it just really depends. Yeah, it really depends on a lot of situations. That's a good question, though. I only ask good questions. Such great answers. Thank you so much, Courtney. Um, oh, I, I'm so in awe. I'm so in awe of videographers, filmmakers in general, because it's so much work and it's so much talent to to create it in a way that that engages and that captivates. And I'm so in awe of your work specifically because oh. that's exactly what you do. Like, I'm gonna Thank get in you. touch about those videos. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, just beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Thank you. And everything you do with us. I really, well, really I'm, 
I love you guys so much. I don't know if like people know, but Square Muse did my custom website and like incredible, like absolutely incredible work. I could not have asked for anything more. It was amazing. You guys were amazing to work with. Um, I loved every minute of it and I still love it. I still love it. And we also use for Filming Life Academy, we use a template um, from Square Muse as well. So, um, and that also is incredible. So yeah, I'm a big fan of you guys too. And so honored and thrilled that you have me on. (laughs) Perfect match. We love to hear that. Thank you so, so, so much. Uh, We'll put all your info in the show notes of the podcast, guys, if you are interested um, in doing what Courtney does, you can learn from her, right? Um, Yes. In your academy. So uh, yes. that's that's wonderful. Get on it. Uh, you've heard mm-hmm. how much she knows, and, and <laughs> please have a look how well she does it. It's incredible. Oh, thank um, you. Great. Well, enjoy your evening and your dinner, and I hope you have a relaxed weekend. <laughs> thank you. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks. Bye. You're listening to Floy Insider, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who want a fresh perspective on business, communication, and art. 